what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 60, volume 4 of a special post-Super Bowl edition of Big Fan. My name is Chad East and I'm a big fan of no present Valentine's Day celebrations, the return of American Idol, and another Super Bowl Sunday in the books. Hey Chad, my name is Hank Imer and I'm a big fan of finally a sequel to Coming to America after 33 years. Super Bowl ads that include Will Ferrell and spaceship spottings over Florida. Oh, Hank, I must ask, so alien UFO sightings above Florida? Tell me, please, because, you know, I haven't had my alien fix in at least 26 hours. Go ahead, buddy. Share with me the story. So you, so you, you have not heard this. This is breaking news to you. Tell me about it, and I'll tell you if it's breaking news or not. Yes. Okay. Well, over Florida, I don't know where in Florida, but uh, over Florida, there was a. It looked like a rocket or a ship that was just kind of like it was disturbing the air around it. So it looked kind of orb-like, mm-hmm. but it could have been some sort. Thor- thruster and people all over Florida were taking videos and calling the U.S. government and calling the police and the firefighters and the the army reserves and the meteorologists and saying, come down here and look at this alien ship that's flying over Florida. And do you know who broke the news to them? Who it was, was it? Meteorologist. They said that it was a rocket that the government was shooting and everybody knew it, but those that think rocket ships are that think spaceships are real. <laughs> I see. So you're saying it was a false alarm. It was not a false alarm. It was an army <laughs> test that was publicized that everyone knew, but those idiots swear that aliens are around us consistently uh, were fooled. Does that explain why I saw three glowing orange orbs? outside of our house about six months ago, Hank? Does that explain? I think Roni might have changed his floodlights out. That's probably what it was. (laughs) Well, you believe what you will, and I'll believe what I will. But I do believe, let me tell you this, staying on the same track as alien sightings and UFO viewings, do you believe in near-death experiences, Hank? Meaning where something's happened to you or a loved one or whatever, and you literally lost, you were dead, and you could see your spirit, your spirit rose out of your body, and you could view kind of what was going on around you, and then something happened when it was not your time yet, and you snap back into your body, and you live. Have you ever experienced this, Hank? I have never experienced this, but I will tell you that my wife has experienced this, and I am a firm believer in it after our experience right before we got married. So if, if I may, and if it's some, a story you don't want to talk about, feel free. You don't need to. But I want to tell you about this. The, the, Lucy Rose and I watched this show about this near-death experience. And, uh, man, it was mind-blowing. So let, let me tell you the one that I watched. And maybe you could share with me Reagan's experience, if you will. Seem fair? Yeah, sure. Okay. I will. Okay, wonderful. So the year was, let's say, I think it was 2008. Yeah, it was 2008. And there was this young lady. She was probably about 24, 26 years old, and she was a kayaker. And so she and her husband had been planning this trip to go to Chile to kayak these awesome rapids and all this stuff. And they were very, they were well-trained kayakers. So they're going down their first couple groups of rapids and everything's going as predicted. And then towards the latter part of their trip, there is this massive waterfall. Like it's like 50 foot drop. And you're not supposed to kayak down this, Hank. You're supposed to go to the left where the smaller rapids are and you bypass the big waterfall. Well, when they're coming down and they're getting to the point where they're supposed to go left, where there was an inexperienced kayaker 
who had kind of blocked the area to go left. And so, you know, you're coming down the rapids and, you know, you got to go left where well, there's the kayaker that's blocked the area. And so the lady has to kind of veer right. Well, as she veers right, the rapids take her and she plummets 50 foot feet down this waterfall. Crashes. Boom. 30 minutes underwater. They cannot find her. She, they think she, you know, she's dead. She's gone 30 minutes under the water. Well, her husband does not decide. I can't, I can't leave. I gotta stay in this water. So he keeps in his kayak. He gets out of his kayak, puts his feet down. It's just feeling around and he finds her. He grabs her. He feels her leg. And so he grabs her leg, brings her up and she is, she's dead. She, her face is blue. She's not breathing. They get her out. There were six friends. They get her out. They turn the kayak over and hold it over their head to make it kind of like a, uh, what do you call that? Where you, uh, a gurney or something they can carry her because they're in the middle. Yeah. They're in the middle of Chile and it's mountains and it's wilderness. So they make the gurney, they're running. Two of the, the, the men are holding her, uh, holding her on the kayak above her and they're making it through these trails. The thing about these trails in Chile, Hank, they're just trying to get out of the woods to find a road, not to find like a car or a taxi because cars and taxis, do not operate in this part of Chile. They're trying to find a farmer who might have a tractor who they can get on the tractor to get to a main road to get her to the hospital to see if there's, you know, any chance that if they think she's dead, but they're going to try everything they can. They get through the end of the trail. At the end of the trail, there is an ambulance sitting there. There hasn't been an ambulance on this road forever, ever. Anyway, an ambulance is sitting at the end of the trail. How? No one knows. They get her in there. They get her to the hospital. They pronounce her dead. Within three minutes, this is when she starts to tell her story. Her spirit has lifted out of her body, and she can see everything that's kind of going on in that emergency room, that hospital room. She can see her husband crying. She can see the doctors trying to resuscitate her, but nothing is working. All of a sudden... She is walking through this this big area of flowers, every color that you can imagine, the rainbow of flowers all around her. And she sees her grandfather, her grandmother who have passed. She sees some childhood friends that she hasn't seen since she was a little girl that have passed. And then they whisper some things to her. Right. And then all of a sudden they said, it's not your time yet. Boom. And she snaps back to life. Hank. She comes back to life and she has the memory of walking through the flowers, talking to a her relatives and remembering one thing that they whispered to her, right? But the thing that they whispered to her, she doesn't want to talk about it or say anything because it relates to her youngest child and what, so she doesn't share it with anybody. What they whispered to her was your son is going to pass away when by when he's 18 years old. So, uh, so 10 years go by. So now this lady has no, um, no, nothing wrong with her, no brain damage. You know, she obviously broke all her legs and everything in the fall, but no brain damage. She's, it's a miracle that she lived and she had no complications from being underwater for 30 minutes. So anyway, she's a doctor now. And so she keeps thinking to herself, why did, why was I chosen to stay on this earth? And, you know, should I tell my son that these spirits or whomever told me that he was going to be dead on his 18th birthday. Well, anyway, a week before his 18th birthday, she says, I've held this in for 10 years. I got to tell you this. Tells him the story. And she was like, he, he was like, mom, don't worry about me. I am fine. I am fine. His 18th birthday comes and goes and he lives. No biggie. So she feels so relieved. A week later, he's skiing in the mountains, gets hit by a snowplow and he dies. Right. Oh my gosh. Is this not, is this not an unbelievable story? And so, so she is convinced, and you know who knows about this. You can believe in science, you can believe in faith, you can believe in both. But you know she is convinced, like she was dead. She could see everything that was going on. It was not her time yet. She became a doctor in all that time, and then she was there to spend these eighteen years with her son because that's all that they had together. Anyway, just a wild, wild story about near death experiences. And so you say uh, Reagan has got a. Uh, one of these stories. Yeah. You know, um, when she was 23, she had a heart attack. And, um, one of the things that, you know, she did after that was obviously some recovery and I was getting ready to ask her to marry, marry me. And, um, I waited a little bit. Then, um, once I asked her to marry me, we had to go to these, these counseling sessions with our pastor. You know, you go to these counseling sessions 
Well, um, when we were in this, the middle of this counseling session, we knew the pastor pretty well. And he was just kind of like giving a small talk. And he, he was talking about, um, did we date in high school? And we said we had, and then we broke up and we went off to schools and he talked about school. And he said, you know, Hank, I know you went to Elon and um, I know you played baseball. And he said, Reagan, I know you won a state tennis title in high school. Did you play at Chapel Hill? And she looked at me and she was just disoriented. She was like, what is he talking about? And I was like, Reagan, he, he, he asked if you, did you play at Chapel Hill? And what was happening is her heart was beating so fast that she wasn't getting enough oxygen to her brain. And she uh-huh. was, she was confused because she wasn't getting enough oxygen. Well, right, right after she was like com- in that confused state, her defibrillator went off, which is, you know, she's got an internal defibrillator that if her heart rate gets to a certain rate, it'll try to shock her back into uh, rhythm. Well, it goes off. Well, right after it goes off, she looks at me and she goes, I think my defibrillator went off. And I, I was like, no kidding, you know, because our whole body, it looks like she gets shot by a gun. Oh, yeah. Well, then it goes off, right? Right after it goes off the second time, she loses consciousness. All right. So I pick her up and I put her on the ground. And while she's laying on the ground, Pastor Schaffner, who's our pastor, comes over and he says, he says, what do we do? And I said, call 911. So he calls 911 and I'm sitting there and you know that that defibrillator is shocking her or trying to get her back to a rhythm. So he get, calls 911 and I'm sitting there. I check her pulse and she starts breathing and her heart st- after, I mean, she didn't start breathing initially, but after about, I'd say about a minute, she started breathing. I checked her heart rate and her, her heart rate started to go. So we were standing there and she wasn't, we were sitting there and I was holding her head. Her head was kind of in my lap and he was sitting there beside me and he goes, what should we do? And I said, well, can you say a prayer? Mm-hmm. And so he sat over and he said a prayer for her health. And we sat there during this prayer. His prayer probably took about a minute. And when he said, amen, it was not 10 seconds later that her eyes opened. And she was looking at up uh, at us and, you know, she, we just kind of let her get her bearings about her and everything else. The first word she said was, where did that girl go? And I said, what are you talking about? And she was like, there was a girl in a doorway right across the room, white dress, long, dark hair, just waving at me, just waving. That was it. She was like, it it was very peaceful, very friendly, very inviting, but it's just a hello. And then she woke up. So to this day, she said, you know, she says that that's the angel that she saw. And I believe her. I believe her 100% because when you're sitting in that position and she wakes up, that person, that girl with the long hair and the white dress was in that room. And uh, so, you know, near death, death experience, I believe in them because I, I was inches away from somebody that had one. Wow. And isn't it interesting, too, that Reagan explained, you know, feeling not threatened at all, warm, you know, it was uh Probably, you know, the person waving to her, it was like a tunnel of light that probably felt inviting and warm with a near death experience. I explained to you about what I heard was very similar. So the, the girl is walking in flowers that are warm and it just very comfortable, nothing threatening at all, you know, just comfortable and yeah. inviting. And so that's interesting. And I, so I did a little bit more research, research on near death experiences after I watched this show. And I mean, almost to a T, 99% of them describe kind of what you describe what Reagan saw a light a tunnel warmth comfort it's almost all of them describe the exact same thing so that's just so so very interesting uh so we're so glad that Reagan is still here with us and she was able to share that story and uh yeah just wild 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 stuff it is yeah it is um you know, I guess let's we get off, let's get off this topic. <laughs> let's get do off let's, this heavy topic. Let's do so. Let's let's get to the Super Bowl. This is our post Super Bowl show. Um, you know, we're big Super Bowl fans. It's one of my favorite day of the year, and we we've, we've talked about this a million times about growing up and why the Super Bowl was important and blah blah blah. So, what did you think, Hank, about this year's Super Bowl? What was it was different? You know, at our household, it was very different to ones that we've known in the past. What did you like? What you think about the game? Give me some halftime stuff, commercial. I know there was one commercial that you would have had to fall in love with, but go ahead. Give me your synopsis. Well, I thought the game was uh, – so I'll just go with the game. The day, first of all, the day was uh, – I was still excited about the game. You yeah, know, I don't too. know about you, but I was yeah. about it. You know, I, I'm excited about the Super Bowl, and it was a 
it was a, uh, anticipation for it. We actually had soccer that day. So we had soccer in the morning. Then when we came back, it was kind of like getting ready for everything. So we got some food and we had, actually, we had my mom and dad come over, uh, and, um, we, uh, just kind of relaxed before the game and, uh, but there was still that anticipation for, you know, the Super Bowl and the commercials and the game, because really and truly, I think the thing that I was probably the most interested was, was Brady's performance. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think of Brady as the best quarterback of all time. Right. But everybody will pigeonhole him in that, you know, he was a system guy and Belichick did it and everything. And I want I wanted him to get that off of his back. And he did a great job. Those coordinators did an incredible job. I mean, they made Kansas City look like a run-of-the-mill team. Yeah, average yeah, team. Yeah, like a run-of-the-mill mm-hmm. team. And um, But I give a lot of credit to Tom Brady because he he really is the GOAT, man. He, I, You know, I, I can't say it enough. That guy has – you know, he's got good tools around him, but he he really mushed the coaching staff and the ownership at – the Patriots because they could have spent just a little bit of money and kept him and brought another championship back. Absolutely. The funny thing about that is because Tom Brady wanted to stay in New England. He wanted to retire there, but Belichick did not believe in him anymore and said, Hey, if you need to leave, go ahead and leave. If you want to stay, cut your salary again. He'd already cut it five times, cut it again. And so basically saying, just get out of here. You're no good anymore. This is the great part of it. Tampa Bay, talking about mediocre teams, they had made the playoffs in 14 years. You know, they were kind of like not a laughing stock because they had won a Super Bowl a long time ago, but still over the last 14 years, they were mediocre at best. The same team comes back and they get one player. His name is Tom Brady, who is the, he's a leader of men and he gets them to believe that they can do it. Believe gets the coaches to believe we can do it. And sure enough, they do it. And it's not because Tom Brady is ultra talented with his arm or his feet. He is a leader and people believe in him. And that's all it took to get that mediocre team to the promised land. So my hat's off to Tom Brady, the GOAT. He is. Did you, did you hear about the interview? Uh, there was an interview with uh, the owner, Kraft, for the Patriots about the first time he met Tom Brady. Right. And he said that they that were they were at camp and Brady yeah. came up to him and said, hey, I just want to introduce myself. And he was like, yeah, we, you're the kid that we took in the sixth round. And he said, I'm going to be the best decision this franchise has ever made. Yes. And that the best. I mean, what, yeah, I mean, it is the best. I mean, that is a special kind of player. Now, I'm sure there's all kind of players that have walked up and did it, has said that, but didn't didn't <laughs> mean it. He said on draft, day, it was so disappointing for him and his mom and his dad. Mm-hmm. The sixth round. He was like, I remember taking a walk on draft day with my mom and dad, and I hurt for them. He was like, I hurt for me, yep. and I had a chip on my shoulder from that day forward. Absolutely. What a great story. So glad it happened to Tom Brady. I know a lot of people, actually, especially in my house, they are not big Tom Brady fans. They were rooting for Kansas City so much because they disliked Tom Brady, but I was on the other end. I'm like, man, how can you not root for this dude? I mean, all that he's – overcome and everybody says he can't do it he won't do it and he does it got to root for people like that and before i I wanted to ask you because i had this on my notes to talk to you about hank staying on this before we get back to the super bowl have you had anybody in your life and take it back to when you were maybe in elementary school junior high high school college whatever that said this dude he's not good enough to play at elon or this dude is not good enough to be on the all-star team baseball in eighth grade can you think back of a time where someone, you know, told you you couldn't do it and it made you want to do it even more. And then furthermore, if you do have this story, can you imagine where that person is right now? And what would you say to him? Because I have a story. I have one. And I'm sure the being the athlete and the food connoisseur that you are, you either have a story from a, a coach or a chef. So please share with me your story. <laughs> Share with me your story. Um, you know what the funny thing is, is if I had to put a uh, a person that was probably most detrimental, it'd probably be some of my best friends <laughs> because some of the worst trash talking of a lifetime is done 
those closest to you. And I cannot tell you what motivated me more. I will tell you this, and, and, and I'm not going to say any names. They know that they know who they are is I was not my freshman, sophomore year in high school. And we'll just use baseball as an example. I was not a starter. I did not, you know, I was not the best athlete on the team, but I was tired of having my buddies play in front of me. I was tired of it. I was tired of not getting ridiculed because we all supported each other. I was tired of having them play and talk about the games and being a part of it and not being part of it. And so that's the motivation that I used is those idiots that I still call my best friends today used to sit there and what I say is they used to take it for granted. Mm-hmm. They, they took that in front of me for granted. And, uh, you know, that's what I use. So I don't, I, I can't remember one time somebody saying, um, you're not going to be good enough. You're not going to do it. I, I will say that I never thought about playing college baseball until, you know, I went to a camp in between my junior and senior year. And there was a college coach that came up to me and said, where are you going next year? And I said, what are you talking about? Or your freshman year, have you already signed? And I said, no. And he was like, I can't believe that. And then right then it triggered mm-hmm. that I could, I could do something. And that was the best comment that I heard going into my senior year because that senior year I had something to play for, which I don't think I would have if I wouldn't have been asked that question. Isn't that amazing? It was one sentence out of a coach you had no idea say that says that to you, and it gives you this sense of confidence that, and I do belong. Maybe I do have something to offer. I'm here. Let me show them what I got. And it was this one sentence. It's just amazing. Um, so congratulations to you and that coach, because, man, I mean, we've we've read all of Hank Imer's uh, Elon records that he set on the baseball team. And I think you're going down on the Elon Hall of Fame very soon, man. I'm sure you're going to get that call. <laughs> congratulations. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, so my story goes back to uh, sixth grade. And I came to the school, Grandview, from Jenkins, where I was the only guy from my elementary school to go to this middle school. And, oh, man. And it was hard and I was bullied and uh, I did my best to just to kind of to walk the straight and narrow and do the right things. And and I, I kept telling myself, man, if you just show them who you are, eventually they will like you. You know, you just can't go into a hole. You kind of just got to sh- eventually show them who you are, make them laugh. And they're like you because my first two weeks of school, Hank, I got bullied. They were throwing me in lockers. It was terrible. But I stuck up for myself and they finally figured out, you know, this dude is no one to be messing with. And we were ended up being really good friends. Well, one of the bullies, my seventh grade, by this time I had fit in at Grandview. I was had bunches of friends, played a bunch of sports. It was really good. But I'm a smaller status fellow than – most everybody else I'm short and so I love basketball it's my favorite sport and then I said I'm going to try out for the basketball team at Grandview Grandview had a great team I mean they were coming off an undefeated season um had a bunch of good players at the high school we're looking forward to uh, to inheriting once they got out of middle school and this one guy I'll never forget I'll say his name because I'll never forget his name because he's I, I can't get it out of my head I haven't seen him probably since eighth grade but he was like, when I showed up for the trials, he was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm here to play basketball. He was like, you can't play basketball. And I was like, yeah, I can. I'm a pretty good basketball player. I can play. He was like, you're not good enough to be even in the gym. If you want to, here's what you should do. Go over there and grab those towels and then bring me one. And anyway, I will never forget it, you know. And so the first drill is Dusty has to try to guard me. You know, you're doing the one-on-one drill drill where you're dribbling and, you know, the other guy's just trying to D you up. It's just one-on-one. And, dude, I, like, crossed him up. He fell down. It was fantastic. I'll never forget it. And then so I got the coach's eye, you know, the coach's eye. Um, And the tryouts continued like that. And I made the team. And I made the team. Dusty, this is the ironic part of the whole story, he he was the water boy, the towel boy for that team. That he didn't make the team. That's the job he got. He got Cowboy Waterboy. I got the jersey. So I'll never forget it. And if he's listening, so, you know, my other question to you is what would I say to him now? Because actually, he and I ended up being okay. I got really like friends, but acquaintances. 
he knew that he had made a mistake and by saying what he did, but it inspired me. But, you know, if I could say something to him right now, 30 years later, I'd say, Dusty, hey, man, you didn't really even know me. You knew nothing about me except just visually what you saw. I wasn't as tall as you. You didn't think I was as fast as you. But, man, in 30 seconds, you realized I was here because I like the game and I'm serious about it. And I came to play. You know, you can never judge a book by its cover. You didn't know the heart that I had. You didn't know what I was going to bring. You just assume, oh, go get the go get the water and the towels. No. So, Dusty, thank you very much. Thank you for inspiring me that seventh grade February afternoon. Thank you. All right. I can only imagine that you're already in the Grandview Hall of Fame um, yes. for all the statistics that you put up. We'll have to <laughs> we'll have to go pull that and make sure that um, that. And I can only imagine the size of your jersey when you were in <laughs> team. I mean, it had to be like like the size of a small animal. <laughs> I t- I remember because they didn't have like really small jerseys. I had my number was one, and I had to tuck it in, and it still kind of like hung out of my shorts. You know, when I was in seventh grade, dude, this is when I, I was playing a bunch of basketball. I was four foot like ten in seventh grade. I mean, I was little, and so anyway, that's. Nobody thought I could ball, but I got out there and I balled. So, hey, I dig it. Do you remember? Yeah. So, I played at College Park, right? I played in the rival for Grandview. Yeah. Um, and I just played in eighth grade because we were a real good team. Yeah, good team. And uh, I, I didn't even try out my seventh grade year, but my eighth grade year, I made it. And those uniforms, when we were there, and I know you remember, I mean, Grandviews were just as bad because yeah. they had butterfly collars on the warm ups. Sure. They, Super short shorts. And when we were playing, everybody wore T-shirts underneath their jerseys because you were scrawny as hell. You know, you were just tiny. And everybody would have like these heavy cotton T-shirts on underneath these polyester jerseys. That's the thing I remember of the jersey. Yes, because the jersey, it was polyester, was so itchy. So you would actually have to wear like a T-shirt under there. You'd be scratching like the whole game because it was one of the, that itchy material. Yeah, polyester, butterfly collar for the warm-ups. I remember all that stuff. And the shorts being as short. They wouldn't let you, they wouldn't let people wear shorts like that right now. You know, I wouldn't let my daughter out of the house with the short shorts we had to wear during the basketball season. They were very small and very tight. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Let's go back to Super Bowl again. So can we talk about, real quick, the halftime show? So the halftime show is the weekend. Don't know if you're a fan. Can you give me from 1 to 10 your grade on the show? Tell me why you liked it. Tell me why you didn't. Um, it felt like a concert. It felt like a weekend concert. You know I mean? It, I felt like it was just his original music. And I know that they do that from time to time, but my biggest thing that I like is the collaboration that they usually do. You know, in the years past, they'd have like Aerosmith with some rapper or they'd have yeah. a country singer with some pop star. And I kind of like that, but they just, I, I mean, it was fine. I liked the weekend. But I don't think it was quite the experience that it normally is, like the huge over-the-top experience that it normally is. So I, I felt like it was kind of uh, womp, 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 kind of a downer for me. Yeah, I gave it a 6 out of 10. Did you know that the weekend, so Pepsi was the sponsor for the halftime show. They gave an allocated amount of money as the budget. Well, the weekend said, no, 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 no. I need more. He brought $7 million of his own money to that halftime show to create that set to help pay for all those dancers, you know, that were dressed up in the red. And then, and somebody said, I don't know. I know you're a Star Wars fan, Hank. Remember when it first started, those guys in the stands, they looked like sand people. Did you see them? They were all dark and they had those red eyes. Oh my gosh, that was wild. But so $7 million of his own money. And again, I thought it was an okay halftime show, but I'm just going to give it a six. As you and I have talked about many times before, the best halftime show Super Bowl ever. Mine's a little bit different than yours, but I think we share the similar top three. Mine will go Prince, one. Bruno Mars, two. 
And I think I'm going to say Lady Gaga three. Who you got? I, I like the first two. I mean, I like I like Prince would be in there. He did a great one. Bruno Mars did a great one. Yeah. JT, you know. Oh, yes. How could I forget about JT? JT, JT yeah. will put a good one together. So I like yeah. that one. Yeah, very good. And when we're going back to some of the commercials, you're the big Seinfeld fan, right? Oh, yeah. Seinfeld? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you saw the Jason Alexander commercial, right? Sweatshirt one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. I noticed, or I didn't notice, someone talked about it today. So George Costanza's ringtone was the, uh, not ringtone, it was this voice message on the show. It was from The Greatest American Hero, and it would go, da na 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 George is not here. Not here. George yes. is not here. Please <laughs> leave a message. Yeah. Yes. Did you notice that was the song? That was playing in the background of that commercial. Did I you did. notice that? Oh, wow. I love the great American he- uh, hero. But yeah, George, that was on his uh, ringtone. That was awesome. Yeah. So truly, you must be a very big Seinfeld fan if you put two and two together. Because I did not realize that until today. So good for you. I, but I will say the Will Ferrell uh, GM Super Bowl ad was incredible. Do you remember that one? Yes. That's the one where he was going to Sweden or something like that, right? Norway. He said Norway. Norway. But he said Norway had dominated the electric car market and he was going to take it to him. And so he wanted to go all the way to Norway. And then he he called for support and his support went to Sweden and he went to like Amsterdam or something. They couldn't get it right or whatever. But apparently, I haven't seen it, but apparently Norway has crafted a response mm. to him. So uh, I can't wait to see it. Oh, very interesting. We'll have to check out that for sure. And the last thing I'll leave you with. So did you know, and I know you know this, but for our listeners, Hickory was represented very, very well at the Super Bowl this year. Not only did we have a singer who lives right down the street, literally five miles from my house here, Eric Church, where he grew up in Granite Falls, which is right outside of Hickory. He helped sing the national anthem and then the place kicker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ryan Suckup kicked four extra points, and hit a field goal. So he was perfect for the day. So Hickory Connection runs amok again. We're everywhere. Hickory's all over the place. Two representing re- representatives for the Super Bowl. That's quite impressive. Yeah, that is quite impressive. And, you know, those um, both of them are kind of the beasts in their uh, profession. You know, Ryan's been a kicker for, I mean, a long, long time. I can't believe that it's been as long as he can. And um, as far as Eric Church is concerned, he's – a beast in, in country music. So you couldn't have had more uh, impressive guys doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So for the overall experience for Super Bowl Sunday, like I said before, it was a little bit different than what I'm accustomed to. I did. It was just the, our family. You know, Jennifer made us a great bowl of chili and we ate well, but not much alcohol consumption at all. You know, it was more watching the commercials with the girls so they could comment on it. They would watch a little bit of the game with me, but they could care less. But Still, it was a Super Bowl, so it was special to me. I will not forget the Super Bowl because of the circumstances going all around us and that Tom Brady proved that he was the GOAT for no no questions asked. That's what I'll remember of the Super Bowl for sure. I would give this yeah. one a six and a half on a scale of my Super Bowl scale from when I was little till till now. So I'll give it a six and a half. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, it's probably about a six and a half. The one thing that I thought was – was great with did you watch last year when tom brady would get a win last year he would start this the bad boys music with gronk usually and they'd walk beside the bus when they're leaving and after every win it'd, it'd start that dun, dun, sh, dun, 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 and they'd walk beside the bus and they'd get these big grins on their face and then they'd show the clips from the win and everything well mm-hmm. i remember that did you, see, did you see it when they won the uh, championship the NF- or the AFC championship that they did it again. And Gronk lifted up his shirt and he had an AFC championship shirt on and they did, you know, that, that goofy grin or whatever. Well, Gronk's girlfriend in Giselle did it on the field at the Super Bowl oh, when wow. over. Right. And uh, so it got me thinking a little bit when I saw that is, you know, we, I told Harris, I was saying that's Tom Brady's wife. She may make more money. She may have more money than him. I don't. I mean, I think she probably does. She does. But I was when I was saying that, I was like, "What a power couple!" You know, like 
you, you, you talk about power couples and it started getting me thinking down the road of sports and power couples in sports. And I just like kind of mentally jotted down some and I'm going to go through them with you and t- kind of tell me who you're, uh, you know, who you got in that list. Okay. And I might've forgotten one, but I, I've got about 10 here that I want to run off to. Sure. Okay. Uh, obviously we have Tom and Giselle, right? A-Rod and J-Lo. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, and they don't have to be both athletes. You know, they can be a yeah. singer, actor, Andre Agassi, Steffi Graf. Okay. Mia Hamm, Nomar Garcia Para. Mike Fisher and Carrie Underwood. You know, Fisher's an NHL player. Hockey player, yeah, that's right. Right? D. Wade and Gabrielle Union, who's been killing it of late. You know, they're in commercials. They're kind of everywhere. Yes. Justin Verlander and Kate Upton. Yes. David and Victoria Beckham. I mean, that doesn't get much bigger than that. Yes. Mind blown. Then you start thinking of, you know, Russ Wilson and Sierra, Sierra. be Good. one of the prettiest women on the planet. They're up and coming. That that couple status is rising as we speak. Yes, right, right. And then you know, I was I I was thinking about it, and there's two. Um, Penny Taylor. Do you know who Penny Taylor is? Uh-uh. It she is a WNBA player and Diana Taurasi. Okay, uh, yes, I know Diana. Mm-hmm. Sue Bird, who is a a WNBA player, and. Uh, Rapino, Megan Rapino. Rapino, Megan Rapino. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Actually, it's interesting. We're actually printing a project for Megan Rapino's new company in Brooklyn, New York, right now. And so they sent all this anyway, this biography of her. So I got to learn all about her. And maybe one day I'll get to meet her. I don't know, but we're doing a lot of uh, cool projects for them. A couple that you didn't mention, Hank. How about Enrique Iglesias and Anna Kornikova? You remember the Anna Kornikova, the tennis oh, yeah. player? Yeah, 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 for one time. That was big. Now she retired from the game. She has three babies now. But Anna Kornikova, when back in the day, if you mentioned her, she was the finest tennis player that would walk the face of the earth. Right? Are the those finest. Enrique Iglesias' babies? Yes. Good yeah. for him. And that chick was solid. Uh, no doubt about it. And one that would just you, you, that I know you love this gal, Halle Berry. You're number one. She was married to David Justice, the baseball player. For a couple years, but they didn't last as well as five other relationships for Halle Berry. So just like you mentioned last podcast, what the heck's going on there? Halle, you're just gorgeous. Why will no dude stay with you? I will never understand. So there's a problem. There's a problem. Something is going on there. But anyway, what a great list. Yeah. So I guess if I would rank them right now, like the power couples, this is how I'd probably, yes, I would have. I'd have Tom and Giselle. They're number one. I think they're the number one power couple out there. Sports and uh, media combined, you know, because I think Beyonce and Jay-Z, if you just had music, they would be top. But Tom and Giselle, I'm going to put Russ and Sierra. I'm going to put them at three. Who'd you have? Oh, I guess I'll have to have A-Rod and J-Lo too right now. I guess when you look at what's going on, like – power couples they would that's how my top three would go how about you okay so this is this is it's different for me because um and this has nothing to really do with it i would you know tom and giselle have been together you know a long time right so i i think that they're pounding that's number one number two for me would be the beckhams oh yes no man you know i mean ronaldo and messi and all those guys are doing stuff um, equal and you know, I mean, they're, they're obviously great soccer players, but he really brought a face to pro soccer. And uh, you know, whatever you whatever you want to say about the Spice Girls, you know, they're a boy they're a boy band before girl boy bands were, and they pounded it. Um, and Perfect. then I think D Wade in uh, Gabrielle Union would be my third because a they look like they're having fun and they are everywhere right now. Yeah, they are. That's good. Good three choices. Going back to the Beckhams, they're almost kind of because they've been around a long time, bro. They're like couple royalty. You know what I'm saying? They're like royalty, you know? So that's a good choice for number two behind Tom and Giselle. So anyway, yeah, very good segment there on uh, power couples and sports and music and all that good stuff. You know, I think I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you go anywhere, you said 
I liked your thought where you said Jay Z and and uh, Beyonce. Any other yeah. couples that you would put in place of one of those three that you picked that would be a power couple? No, I mean I was thinking Hank and Reagan Imer. Uh, they are just shooting up the list Bingo. right now. <laughs> I mean, they've got to be in your top 10 right now. But besides that, no, I can't think of anybody else. I think you nailed them all. I'm sure there's probably, you know, a couple we're not thinking of, but I think you got the, the majority of it nailed. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm, so, I'm sure somebody from Chick Chat will challenge us on our knowledge of power couples. I'm sure they will too. Chick chat, bring it on. All right, Hank, I'm going to move. That moves uh, us into our next segment. And this is a new segment for the show. You know, we haven't had any new segments in a while. So I would bring one to the mix. You know, with your, uh, you are very well, uh, well versed in food. And we've mentioned that a million times on this podcast. (laughs) You and food get along really well, really good friends. And uh, so I thought I'd bring this new segment called Taste Buddies to uh, the big fan today. And so, Hank, you and I are buddies and you like to taste things. So this is how it'll work. I will give you you a do you would you rather have this or that in the scenario where we're going and where we're going to be? And you tell me what food you would choose. Okay, so here's the first one. Hank, we're going on a picnic and it's you. And Reagan and Jennifer, myself, and our kids, we're going on a picnic, and you get to choose the sandwiches that we bring. So rank these, okay? We're going on a picnic. Let's say it's the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains, hour here from uh, from Hickory, North Carolina. Hank, would you choose an egg salad sandwich, tuna fish sandwich, chicken salad sandwich, or pimento cheese sandwich? For all of us, you're the guy making the menu. You're making these sandwiches for us. What would you choose and why? Taste, buddy. As your taste buddy, I think what I would do is I would go for chicken salad. Chicken salad would be the the crowd favorite. Although if I were to choose for me alone, I would get egg salad. I love a good egg salad sandwich. But chicken salad, every kid will eat it. Even you may have a piece of celery and a chunk of chicken and maybe a square of like a corner of bread to make your taste buddies feel good. Wonderful. If I were to say, Hank, you also can choose like the bread. Like, would you put that on a, a piece of white bread? Would you toast the bread? Would you put it on wheat, rye, pumpernickel? Give me something. You can really make this sandwich any way you want to, little taste buddy. Listen, you handcuffed me at the beginning of the segment because you said I had to pick it for everybody. So, of course, uh, I've got to go bland. I've got to go wheat. I've got to go because Reagan Imer is going to be upset if I go with white. I'll toast it. Come on now. Okay. Well, uh, the next segment then, and the next creative. Yeah, the next taste buddy, it'll just be for you. You don't have to, you're not planning for a family of four. It's just for you, okay? All right. All right. Here's the deal you wake up slightly hungover in a Las Vegas hotel room. You've been with your homeboys all night, gambling, seeing shows, watching sports. Wake up, not feeling 110, but you know, downstairs they have the best chef who makes the most wonderful types of breakfast options, items, if you will. And what he really excels at are like waffles, pancakes, French toast, and crepes. And so he says, oh, monsieur, I'm a, hey, welcome. I hope you had a good time at the tables last night. I'm here to create a wonderful concoction of breakfast for you. What shall it be, Hank? Waffles, pancakes, French toast, or crepes. I'm going. I'm going straight waffle. Okay. I need something that's going to soak up as much as it can, but I'm going to have to get something greasy in there as well. So I'm going to ask my boy, the chef, can he put something together that's got a little bit like a. I need some sausage patties. I need something that's going to help me out there. And by the way, could I get a shot of tequila to just get the edge off? Wow, now you're talking my language. See, the chef's next thing was he was going to ask you, Hank, while you're there, you know, while you're enjoying your waffles, was it going to be a breakfast meat of bacon, sausage, or liver mush? So you've already said there maybe sausage is where you're headed. Is that where it is? I love a good slice of liver mush. I love it. But when you're hungover, the last thing I want to do is introduce that into the system. You got to have something with familiarity. And it's either going to bake bacon or sausage. And you get one, you know, 
odd strand of fat from those bacon and it goes down the wrong way, you might be in the bed for, you know, four or five hours. <laughs> oh, I'm good. To hit good, the pool. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. So before you hit the pool and, you know, still feeling a little, little iffy, you already said you got a little shot of tequila coming, but if you could have another drink too to kind of get you over the hump, would it be a mimosa? Would it be a Bloody Mary? Or would it just be a plain old beer to get you going while you're eating your breakfast? Because you got to be at the pool in 30 minutes. So we got to kind of get revved the engine up a little bit. What are we choosing? Well, I'd go to the bar and ask for a Bloody Mary. And, um, you know, you know me, I'm pretty specific on how I like my Bloody Marys mixed because, you know, I, I can put together one pretty well. So I'd like to be on deck so I can see what he's putting in it. And uh, just, you know, figure out if it's going to be the right one for me. But Bloody Mary, definitely. Perfect. And last but not least for our Taste Buddies section or segment of the day. So, Hank, here's the scenario. COVID is now over. We have not eaten at a restaurant inside in a year and a half, right? But COVID is now over. So you get to go to the finest steakhouse in all of the land. Let's say we're in New York City. We get to go to the finest steakhouse in all of the land. When you sit down and you're there with all your buddies and your wives and your family, I mean, this is, this is a meal that we've been waiting on for a year and a half. I'm not even going to give you options to choose from. You can make this menu, Hank. What are you eating? What are you drinking? Start from the first course to the last. Tell me about how wonderful this meal will be. You know, I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy, okay? I don't get, you don't have to get fancy with me. I like fish. I like chicken. I like pork, but I'm going to go with steak. Okay. We're going to stay on the steak train. Okay. I'm going to have a steak medium rare. Okay. If not a little bit more rare. What's okay? the cut? I, I, what are we having like a, a filet? Are we having a ribeye? What, what are we having here? If, if I'm going to a good steakhouse, I mean, I like a strip, but I will like, I like a filet too. Um, but you know, I like a little bit of fat in it. And so I would go steak. Okay. Steak. I would, for some reason, I would have to have green vegetable, like a broccoli. Like I love broccoli with a steak. I like that. A glass of red wine. Okay. Glass of red wine. And then, um, I don't know, maybe something on top of it, like lump crab meat. Come on now. Hey, we're going to like, wild. Let's get wild. We going to Sizzler. We going to Sizzler. Yes, that's uh, that's very good. Do you start with maybe like a little appetizer or a bowl of soup or anything like that, or are you just going straight for the steak with the crab meat on top with broccoli on the side? Good soup would be good. Good soup would be good. But you know, I would maybe do that, and you know, maybe have a drink with the soup. Maybe have a a good bourbon. You know. Pump the engine, prime the engine. You know, I think the Taste Buddies uh, portion of the show is amazing, except I have zero questions to ask you because you wouldn't get off the kid menu. Because you, I mean, if it doesn't come on a skewer and it consists of two bites, then you're not interested. What would your, what would your meal be? Let me just ask that question. Oh, that's a really good question. So it would start with a, a, a cocktail for sure. I would say it would be like a dirty martini, just made just perfectly. It's just crisp and cold and tastes wonderful. That's what I'd have right there beside me to my left. The first thing they would bring up, I think I would ask them to bring me a cup of she crab soup. So I'd start with take a little sip of my martini, <laughs> eat a little she crab soup, you know, a couple little bites. And then I'd say, can I have another martini after the she crab is done? It's really. And then I'd say, look, can I? Can I just? All right, guys, enjoy your meal. Really Keep the martinis incredible. coming. I think the I'd be full. I think I would be with full the, uh, with the reduced nutrients that fuel your system. Now, I, I'm sure that the potatoes from the vodka bring sustenance to your organs that no other food does. But it really is impressive. Thank you very much. You know what? I would say I could eat a lobster tail. I think I could eat a lobster tail, maybe two, because it's very light, you know, and 
I just love how they taste. I think that's what I would do. Dirty martinis, sheep crab soup, lobster tails. Drink a, I like to drink at the end of my meal a coffee that's got like a shot of Kahlua's or Kahlua or Bailey's in it. And it kind of gets me all warm and gets me a little jacked up with caffeine so we can go on to the next establishment. You know, whether it be like a dance club or like another bar or somebody's house Sounds or a great. karaoke uh, karaoke spot. Just got to have enough energy ready to go to the next spot. Sound good? Yes. Oh, man, as soon as COVID's over, buddy, we are on a plane or in a car, and we are going to make this happen, and I cannot wait. I feel like it's closer than we think. I think maybe we're in February now. Oh, man, get me to the summer. Get me to June, Hank, and I think we're going to be there, buddy. Get me to June. We can do it. Hang in there, America. We can do it. All right, Hank, before we leave, one other thing I wanted to talk to talk to you about, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2021 nominee ceremony was held this morning. I'm going to give you, I know you're a music guy. I don't know if you're big into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I kind of think lots of Hall of Fames are a joke, like the NFL Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame. I think they're all kind of a joke. And I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is actually the biggest joke out of a ball. However, I'm going to tell you who was nominated today. Let's say you can take five, Hank. You can take five of these nominees. You yep. tell me who you're taking, whether it be like a slam dunk, yes, or they just squeezed in. Are you ready? Here we go. Mary J. Blige. I'm going to give them all to you and you come back and give me what you think. So to qualify for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, in case you didn't know, to be eligible, an individual artist or band must have released its first commercial recording at least 25 years prior to the year of nomination. So you have to be around for 25 years to be nominated. So most of these artists are still actually performing and producing and everything, but their first work was 25 years ago so mm -hmm. here we go mary j blige devo devo did whip it remember that song whip it good Doo -doo 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 -doo. Dun -dun. uh tina turner the foo fighters the go-go's vacation all i ever wanted vacation had to get away see i'm gonna try to sing every every song that goes with these artists ready Jay-Z, Jay-Z, H to the Izzo, B to the Izzo, I remember that one, yeah, Carol King, oh, what is the, uh, I love Carol King, I cannot think of a song, I know her album was called Tapestry, all right, um, Iron Maiden, Shaka Khan, mm -hmm. Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan, type the town for the doll, I want to do Shaka Khan, to bump it up, you remember that one, yeah. Rage Against the Machine. Guess he's at the bottom of the list. <laughs> Todd Rundgren, more of a songwriter. Dion Warwick. <laughs> Dion Warwick. That's what friends are for. Taste buddies. Um, LL Cool J. Yes. So. Just go My first friend, and say, can, I, there can you we have go through like top tier? Did I say Tina Turner? Tina Turner. So top tier, you would go, I, I think you, obviously Tina Turner would be number one on the list. Please, I think she would probably be deserving history, what she's done for music. Her story, I think Tina's probably. Hmm. Right. Um you know, the one thing that I try to do first is kind ballot, of look yes, outside the first ballot of just the genres Bingo, that Tina I listen Turner. to all the time. So, you know, I, I feel like Iron Maiden would be an important piece to rock and roll. And so that would be an important probably one ballot that I wouldn't think of or I wouldn't necessarily like vote for initially. But I would probably say that that would be probably a first ballot kind of person, right? Because you recognize their name but don't know their music. Right. I don't know a song. Right. I mean, I know, I'm sure I know a song, but off the top of my head, I wouldn't be able to say to Iron Maiden sang this song. Right. You know what I'm saying? I think Jay Z yeah. okay. is a I understand no your logic. question. Absolutely. Huh? Absolutely. Yep. LL Cool J, first ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot. Okay. First ballot Hall of Famer, yes. Um, I don't think 
I, I think Foo Fighters is deserving. I think yes. there's just too many people on this list. I mean, Foo Fighters is one of my favorite bands of all time, but I think I think Rage Against the Machine is an incredible, incredible band. I don't think that they deserve it right now. They're incredible, right? incredible. I think Mary J. Blige, who is probably my favorite singer of all time. Okay, I mean, she really is my favorite woman R and B singer. I think she is on the cusp. I think that wow. she has done enough for women's R and B that yes, she should. But if they only took five, I wouldn't put her over LL Cool J. I wouldn't put her over Tina Turner. I wouldn't put her over Jay Z. I wouldn't put her, you know, any of those. Your boy uh, Shaka Khan. That's another one. You know, was an important figure, but I don't know. Maybe not first ballot. Dionne Warwick didn't she die this year? In the last few months, and I'm not okay. So I, you know, I I don't see her mm-hmm. as being that. And then the Todd guy know. that was the writer, so. he might never get on. He I might not get in. <laughs> well, he's been nominated. He's been on this list, I think, right. since. 1996, but, but, and I mean, he has not made the, his way in that's yet. The problem with this, but is, like, he's a really good songwriter doesn't for sure. Get in, so, but yeah, I mean, I they're going to continue to. It. It's like the um, Go Go's and Devo. I mean, how how long has it been on this list? A long time. Yeah. Yeah, a long time. I know Devo's been on it at least five in a row. The Go Go's, I don't remember their name popping up. This might be the first time I've recognized their name on the nominee list because I check it out every year. But I know Devo's been on there for a long time. This is how I would rank them. I would say, see, I'm you a huge Carol King person, me so I've got Carol King, King and Tina sang. Turner. Just a minute. I'm thinking they're locks to get in. I'm going to go Jay-Z. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay, yeah. well, do you know? have you ever heard that song, You've Got a Friend? James Taylor sang it. Carol King wrote it, all right? Uh, thank you. I know my stuff, Hank. You just sit down and think about taste buddies. Now, I'm going Foo Fighters, Jay, Carol King, Tina Turner. No, Mary J. And then I'm going to LL Cool J. LL as well. Hell, that's who, I, that's who my five would be if I was voting them in. Mary J is outside looking in. Mary J will get in eventually. She's the godmother of soul, so she's going to get in. Um, the Go-Go's, I don't think they're going to get in. Shaka Khan, she'll get in eventually. Rage will get in eventually. Dion, one day. And Todd Rundgren is probably going to be on the list for another 100 years, but, you know, at least he got nominated. So, anyway, there you go. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We heard it here first, the nominees for the 2021 uh, ceremony. And actually, I think they're going to, it's not obviously you can't be live when they have the uh, ceremony, but it is held in April. So they're going to record it virtually, and then all the performers get to perform, and they make a big show on HBO. Seen it a million times. It'll be kind of cool. You were talking about what jokes these are, and we were going to kind of you. You talked about the NFL, and then we started talking about MLB. And you know, how many times do you have a Hall of Fame that a year goes by and a player doesn't get nominated? I mean, how many years did it happen? And that's what happened in Major League Baseball is that you have to get 75% of the votes and that nobody got it. Now, you know, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds are are all, and Kurt Schilling for that matter, are tainted with, you know, with the stuff that they did uh, back in their careers. But, you know, Kurt Schilling got 71.1% of the vote and he told them that he wants off the ballot. That Now that's a big, you know, finger in your face. I love it. I mean, Kurt Schilling deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He deserves to be in there. And, you know, the writers vote on this stuff, and they're like, they get him up to 71%, get them up to 74 73 just teasing the man. And he's like, screw it. I don't care if I'm in your stupid Hall of Fame either. Anyway, take me off the ballot. I don't even want to be in there anymore. Good for him. I don't blame him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think Pete Rose needs to be in there. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. What he did off the field did not tarnish anything he did on the field. The the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame, is for what you do on the diamond. This dude was the best of all time. Give it to him. 
Give it to him. Give it to him. Yeah, the only like I, I can't argue the fact that maybe Bonds doesn't deserve. Like I think Bonds deserves to be in there, but I think that, that he did. You know, he padded his stats with an illegal stu- substance, and he would have not hit that amount of home runs without cheating. So, if you I mean, t- if you say that though, so you gotta whatever you live with Bonds on, you gotta apply it to the same people during that same time. Not everybody cheated, sure. but he cheated for sure. Clement. Clemens cheated, you know. And so Canseco cheated, McGuire cheated. That's right. All these guys cheated. So you either let one, you let them all in or you don't let them, any of them in. Any of them. Right. I'm with you. Yeah. Right on. All right, buddy. Well, this is going to wrap up another wonderful edition of the big fan. We actually got several new listens or downloads last uh, podcast. And I got a couple of texts back. One of them said, um, like, oh, this is actually a fellow that we know, Greg Skoog, Hank. You know Greg Skoog very well. He said, I just listened to the podcast first time in a long time. He said, you guys are hilarious. The second one I got was from a guy who comments on our show all the time. His name is Kevin McMahon in Raleigh, great friend of mine, pledge brother. He said, whoever came up with the idea of the eat steak with the wine, meaning you can drink wine if you eat steak every day of the month, remember, for dry January, he said, yes. brilliant brilliant because he does dry january too next year he's going to put that little uh that little caveat caveat into his contract that he signs with his wife about dry january so anyway a couple comments from last time's show and also the final comment that i'll make because my dad who listens to us religiously (laughs) and and i guess from what he's told me the last few months hates our show just hates the show actually had you know a kind word from last podcast hey son it's getting better it's getting better. It's getting better. <laughs> it's getting better. Once he hears this taste like- buddy segment, though, Hank, I mean, he's going to just fall in love with the show all over again. Once he hears, I taste have a buddies. question. Yeah, I have a question for Tom East, though. Tom, this is a question for you. Is it is your disgust with this show directed at years of your son lazily walking through your? Company? and not doing his job correctly and so you see him and you see this show and you cannot stand to hear it or do you really have a problem with hank Eimer and this is, is going deep 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 i would say the latter probably the problem with hank Eimer sounds uh okay more accurate all right but anyway you guys keep listening thank you so much for being a big fan of big fan I know Hank and I, I can speak for Hank when uh, I say that I do enjoy doing this podcast every other week. I like, uh, you know, talking with my friend Hank uh, about what happened that previous week and, you know, sharing it with all you listeners, too. And so if you want to share some stories with us, as Hank shared his story with a a near death experience from his wife, share it with us. Text us. Email us. Check us out at TheMesh.TV, where there's a ton of other podcasts you can download and listen to. Actually, I downloaded the John Reap podcast. I got some, oh, Hank, you'll love this. I got some underwater headphones, brand new. They showed up on Saturday, where you can download podcasts to it. And when you swim, you know, it's like you're listening underwater, and they're fantastic. So I got some podcasts from TheMesh.TV I will be listening to as I swim my laps this afternoon, which will be cool. So anyway, please check us out. Text us. I'll send you guys Hank's a mobile number. You can reach him directly if you would like. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, another great podcast. Hank, you got anything else to say before we uh, shut it off today? You still swimming laps at that place that you found a turd on the bench? <laughs> They've got it cleaned up a little bit in there now, yes. But that is the still the same place. I just started back okay. about a month ago because over COVID, you know, they shut the whole place down. You couldn't go in there. But now they're back and they've sanitized <laughs> a lot better than they did back people a year ago. Were, people, were pooping, people were pooping on benches. Of course they needed sanitizer. That wasn't COVID related. Oh, That's like bowel distress related. Hey, and also, I, I know you'd like to give out my phone number on certain topics if they want to put in, but it's easy if they go to info at the mesh.tv because they can actually bring it to us. So we're if you want to go to info at the mesh.tv, um, you know, Give us some questions. Give us some topics that you want us to talk about because Lord knows it's boring to listen to Chad. We need as much um, as much as we can. But just email it to us and uh, uh, we'll uh, take it from there. If you're telling me that Dusty Shuford story of inspiration, seventh grade basketball, did not move you, Hank Geimer, I will call you a flat out liar. <laughs> well, you know what? 
What if what if Dusty emails us and says oh. that was a moment in his career? Dusty, please email us, info at themesh.dv. Tell me what you're doing with your life. Let's get together, play a little one-on-one. I don't mind it. I still have one ACL. No worries here, buddy. All right, until the next show, Hank. Enjoy your weekend. Big fan audience, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk with you soon. Peace. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.